Today on Run With Horses, we consider our responsibility and God's plan. That includes the ideas of stewardship, God's sovereignty, and God's grace. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you run your race well, not just surviving, but thriving as a disciple of Jesus. There are a lot of things that you could do with your life, but I don't think anything compares with following Jesus and joining Him on His mission of bringing hope to the nations. So thanks for including me on your journey. Well, to get started, before I get started, I have to say, I need a better system of keeping track of my emails. You know, I have a very large inbox and way too many emails, probably quite a few that need to be thinned out. And I have lots of folders, but somehow I still have too many folders and too many emails and everything doesn't work as well as I kind of think that it should. So I need a new system. So one of my requests for the day is if you have a good idea, I would love to know about it. I need a way to keep a handle on my emails. You can send me another email that I can keep track of <laughs> at norman at runwithhorses.net. And I may or may not lose it, <laughs> but I certainly I need a better system. That's all I can say. Well, this past week, Susan was able to join me on one of my trips where I get to go and visit different churches and encourage them and talk to them. In this case, it was to give a report. And as we're in the car and we're driving along, you know, we talk about a lot of different things. We often try to share things we're learning, maybe a, a new verse, a new passage of scripture, or an idea that we're thinking about. And I don't know exactly how we came across this idea, where we started talking about it from what jumping off point we had, but we started talking about stewardship and some of the responsibilities and expectations that go along with that came up. So, you know, it's it's a big topic, and I don't think the idea was exactly stewardship was the point, but it's an important issue, and being a good steward is important. However, one of the things that we were kind of focusing on is being a good steward does not guarantee you good results. And that's one of the things that we're often not happy about. I feel like if I do good, if I make good choices, then, you know, you kind of feel like you earned a good result. You you earn a good result in your life by making good choices in life. But that that's not the way that it works. <laughs> that's just not the way that God's economy is. God's doing something on a bigger scale, and he, he uses your choices, and He wants you to make good choices. However, one of the summaries that we kind of came away with is that your faithfulness does not obligate God to act in a certain way. So you can be a faithful steward and do everything that you know to do perfectly well, and you can still have a, a poor result. You can still have bad things happen. So an, an easy example, you can exercise. And I, I'm wholeheartedly for the idea that you need to exercise. You need to, you need to eat right. I, that's a stewardship issue. God has given you a certain amount of health. He's given you this life, and you're a steward of it. And if you understand that uh, this body is the temple of a living God, that should stimulate us to want to take good care of it. So it's a stewardship issue. You need to exercise. You need to eat right. But, you know, you can do that and you can still get cancer. Uh, you can do that and you can still die in a car wreck young. Does the fact that those are possibilities mean that you should not be a good steward? No, not, not at all. What it means is that God is the ultimate authority and he is the one we're responsible to. 
and you can only be a good steward of what he gives you. But for us, you know, it's, it's hard for us to feel satisfied when we get less than what we feel we deserve. And this is kind of a sticking point in the spiritual life. And I think a big part of a life of a disciple is understanding where we really are in God's sight and understanding ourselves uh, in light of who he is. And this idea that we deserve something is something, it's an idea that we often struggle with. You know, what I deserve is punishment for my sins, but I didn't get that. So God was both merciful and gracious by not giving me that. That's what I deserve. And no matter how well I do in the rest of my life, I I don't make up for that fact. I can't do enough to earn uh, salvation or earn my way out of all of the bad things that I've done. I I can't earn more than I uh, have cost. (laughs) So, in our minds, we once you've accepted Christ and you, you accept that this grace that he's given us becomes kind of second nature. Oh, God has just blessed me in so many ways. And then there's, it's easy to flip over from that to, well, I deserve. Uh, I should have this. Uh, and we see that lack of humility and lack of a, a real understanding of where we are in God's eyes when we, when we express that, that when we're, we're upset that God gave us something that we perceive as negative, uh, that we perceive as less than what we deserve, whether it's a health issue or a financial issue or you know, no matter what it is. Let's take another situation and, and consider this same idea is true when you share the gospel. You know, you can pray and you can share the gospel faithfully with a friend or family member that you have, and you can love them to death. You can pray faithfully. You can share the gospel in every ma- way that you can imagine. And they still may not turn to Jesus. And we often feel like, but I've done my part. <laughs> I, I have shared faithfully. I've shared clearly. I've prayed for them. And, you know, where's God? Well, I think sometimes it's important to remember that there are three parts. There's my part. There's the other person's part. And there's God's part. So God always does his part. He, he never fails. He has never failed. He never will fail in his part. And you can do your part faithfully, but every person still will stand before God themselves. And they have to uh, understand that they're responsible for God themselves. You're not responsible for your friend or family member's decisions. It's hard for us to accept that. And we feel like, well, I've done this so that God should force them to accept him. And he doesn't work that way. Uh, It's hard for us to understand that. It's hard for us to like that. We really (laughs) hate that that's true, but it is true. Everyone stands before God themselves. So when we think about this idea of being a good steward, sometimes it's it's easy for some people to say, well, if they're going to get saved, they're going to get saved. It's not up to me. So why should I do anything? Okay, well, that's not doing your part. (laughs) God's still going to do his part. He may graciously bring someone else in their life, but it is important that we do our part. Um, let's take it a little bit, maybe a, a sidetrack. I, I, you know, it's a little bit sticky to talk about politics these days, but there are a lot of people that really believe, like, if we as Christians, as the church, would just do our part, if we will vote for the right person, then our country can turn around and we can be in a different place in, in five years. Well, 
that might be true that if that happens, the country might be in a different place in five years. But your vote doesn't guarantee that that person will win or that if he wins, he will act the way that you believe that he should. And when I think about politics and presidents and our our desire, I mean, it's a good desire to want your your country to be uh, moral and, and to be God oriented. <laughs> All those things are good. But Romans 13 comes to mind. And this is one of the passages that came up in our conversation as we were talking in the car. So think about this. How does this phrase strike you? The authorities that exist are appointed by God. That's that's what the verse says, that the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And I know there's um, a lot of tension, I think, between our understanding of our responsibility and God's sovereignty. We feel like, and we should, be good stewards. You, you need to do your part. However, that does not obligate God to act in a certain way. You know, God does things on a different scale. Now, for us living in 2023 in America, our uh, anywhere in the world, you see different problems around the world. You see different issues. And a lot of the issues you do prayerfully beg God to change and God to work. And you you want to be active in doing that, doing your part. But the fact that we see a need for change, that we want things to change, doesn't obligate God to change. The fact that we um, do our part doesn't obligate God to change. So this idea that the authority, the authorities that exist are appointed by God is a hard one for us to accept, to accept because it clearly states the absolute sovereignty of God. And another verse that I've often thought of is Proverbs 21.1, where it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Okay, now that's, that's pretty incredible if you think about it. That leader, the king, the the president, the prime minister, his heart is in the hand of the Lord. God absolutely is able to turn it wherever he wishes. And that goes hand in hand with the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So I believe in God's authority, God's absolute authority, God's absolute Sovereignty. That means God is absolutely in control. He is the one that is uh, laying down the path of history. I think if you struggle with that idea, then there are probably a lot of things that you struggle with. When you look at problems, when you look at disaster, when you look at evil, you probably uh, wonder a lot about how in the world can this be good? But God is working, again, on a different scale, a different economy. God's working in eternity to do something, not just in your life, not just in your country. God is working to glorify himself, first and foremost, and he uses his people. He uses his people, Israel. He uses his people, the church, to do that. He also uses the authorities that don't recognize God. He uses the kings who don't recognize or acknowledge God. He is able to use all of those things. He intentionally uses all of those things. And it seems to me like we often, we we like these kind of verses when we like the leaders we have. (laughs) If you're happy about the direction things are going in, then you're probably going to tend to be a little happier about the idea that God's in control. But when we are not happy about the direction things are in, 
then I think sometimes our faith is shaken. We're a little bit concerned. Uh, am I doing my part? Is Are things out of control? Things are not like they should be. And that's always true. Uh, that, that statement taken just at face value is absolutely true. Things are not like they should be. That is absolutely true. That has been true since the day that um, sin entered the world. It absolutely has been true. Uh, the creation has been absolutely cursed because of sin. Uh, every person's heart is uh, antagonistic to God at, at, at its core. And once we accept Christ and you begin to turn and follow Him, then yes, this spiritual battle really begins. And hopefully you have this ongoing, constant spiritual battle. That's a good thing, by the way. You know, just as a side note, a lot of people feel disappointed that they have an ongoing spiritual battle, but that's a good thing because as long as you're in this life, you have still this uh, sin nature, this flesh that you you live with. So there should be this spiritual battle because you also received the Holy Spirit, which means you have uh, this battle going on. You, you have a part of you that is always going to desire not God. Pretty much anything can fill that role, anything but God. You're always going to have a little bit of that from the flesh, where the flesh wants things that are not God. But once you begin to follow Christ, once you have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit, which absolutely desires holiness and righteousness and, and desires God, which means there is a constant struggle, which rather than be disappointed in, I, I think we should rejoice in. Uh, we have to understand that's a good thing. Uh, no struggle really would mean no Spirit of God. Because in this lifetime, you don't get rid of that sin nature. You don't get rid of that flesh. You're anchored in your flesh, which is tainted. Your flesh will die. Uh, your flesh is antagonistic to God. So rejoice in the struggle. When you fall, give thanks that you desire to get back up. <laughs> give thanks that God's grace is sufficient to help you, to allow you to get back up. So when we have, going back to our topic, if we have these leaders that don't do things we like, well, we begin to wonder, did, did God make a mistake or did we make a mistake? Did, did, is this the church is not doing what it's supposed to? And I think we, we walk on dangerous ground when we begin to consider that we have the authority or the power to control things at that level. I don't think we do. I think there's my part, there's your part, and there's God's part. And covering all of that, there's grace. And grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. Thankfully, grace covers, uh, covers me when I fail to do my part well. So I'm encouraging you to be a good steward, but God's grace is still sufficient when you're not. You know, I, I don't think any of us are going to stand before God and... The fact that we failed in our stewardship, you know, there's some people that are going to stand before God and he's going to say, you know, you were a very poor steward of the health that I gave you. You know, I wanted to give you more, but you, you were a poor steward. So that's, you know, you, you struggled maybe in your later years in a way that God didn't intend for you to do. He, didn't, he wanted to give you more, but uh, you were a poor steward. But his grace at that moment, when you stand before him, he's going to welcome you home and you're going to have the perfect health and the perfect spiritual body that he's intended for you to have. And you're going to recognize what the health that God intended for you to have uh, feels like and looks like. 
So God's grace is sufficient even even when we fail in this life, when we can fail miserably in our, our finances and our ability to have uh, self-control and moderation in the way that we uh, use our finances and the way that we use our time and all those things where we could have done better. Uh, God's grace, I think, at the end covers that. And, I, and we should be thankful that uh, grace covers when my strength is weak, uh, when my mind is dull, when when I don't know the right choice. I, I think we can rejoice with Paul that uh, as he was confident that God's grace would be and always was sufficient in his weakness, whether it's a physical weakness or any other weakness, I think that we can do that too. We should do that. We should be constantly rejoicing because God's grace is sufficient. You know, I have my part and I'm going to struggle to do it well, always, because of who I am, because I, I've uh, the choices I made, because of the the sin in my life that I struggle to deal with, because of the places where my faith is weak. And there's a whole numerous reasons why I'm, I'm not going to do as well as I could. But God's grace is sufficient. And because God's grace is sufficient, it, it allows us to maybe to understand some of these ideas that we also struggle with, like when Paul says to always give thanks. And sometimes we look at the world around us and we go, how do you do that? Man, it seems like things are a mess. <laughs> it seems like my life's a mess and all these things are, are, are a struggle. So how am I going to give thanks in that? Well, you're not giving thanks necessarily for the struggle, although I think there's cause to give thanks for the struggle. You're not necessarily going to give thanks for your weakness, although, again, our weakness points out God's strength and our need for Him and points us back to Him. So what does that result in? Well, hopefully more faith, which should result in more thanksgiving. We can give thanks because God's grace is sufficient. And I think when we recognize the battle and the struggle and we turn to Him, then our recognition of our weakness gives us a greater desire to give thanks to him. So God's grace was sufficient for Paul. God's grace is sufficient for me, even though I don't always recognize that. And God's grace is sufficient for you. One of the ways, and I think maybe as we draw some of this to a close, one of the ways this should impact us is confidence knowing that God's grace is sufficient for me, certainly, but also in our relationship with other people. You know, sometimes, somehow, it's harder for us to accept mistakes in other people than our own mistakes. You know, it's it's part of that uh, log in your own eye and emote in somebody else's. It's so easy to see somebody else's mistakes and you just can't imagine that God's grace covers their mistakes, but, oh, this massive failure that I have been, God's grace is sufficient. Well, I think part of understanding and growing in God's grace is allowing that grace to flow through us. So God's grace is absolutely sufficient for me. But rather than look at you and go, yeah, I'm not sure about you, I need to be really quick to, to set aside my natural, critical, judgmental nature. I think so many of us have that. When somebody stumbles, when somebody falls, we want to point out their mistakes and point out their sin and point out the truth that they're not what they're supposed to be and they're not what God wants them to be. And we want to really <laughs> make that clear when I, I think we need to temper that truth with grace. You know, but there but for the grace of God go I. Uh, I, I want to be surrounded by 
God's grace and, and, and all of my thoughts and all of my words and all of my actions. Well, how willing am I to give that to other people? And I think we struggle with that. So when we think about our stewardship and God's sovereignty, I, too often I know I think about it in light of myself. You know, I'm a steward. I want to make good choices. I want to live my life well. I believe that God's in control. And I don't want to doubt Him. I want to go forward in faith. But then when I look at someone else, it's easier to see the, the negatives and see the downside and not see God's grace at work and see that, uh, well, this person is doing it all wrong. I mean, they're screwing up their life. And it's, it's easy to see that. It's easy to say that. But where's the grace then? The grace that is available to me is, a gra- is available to you. It's available to them. So a really important part of my spiritual journey and of your spiritual journey is recognizing that God's grace is sufficient. It's sufficient for me, sufficient for you. So what does it take for me and, and for you to be a, a vehicle of God's grace in the life of our friends, in the life of our family, in the life of our coworkers? Well, it, it's going to mean instead of judging, looking for how we can lend a helping hand and a word of encouragement most people, when they fail, they understand that they failed. Uh, having you point that out and point out what they should have done is not always the right thing. Now, there is a context for that. And certainly, as we think about disciple-making, as we think about mentoring and coaching, there's a time and a place for walking alongside someone and saying, you know, I'm not sure this was uh, the best way that you handled this, so let's rethink it because this is a situation you'll probably come to again how could you handle that better next time? And, and there's definitely a time and a place for walking through that with someone. We want to be willing to do that. And we want to invite people to do that in our own life. It's part of a, a life of accountability. There are situations I know I failed in, and I know I'm going, to, I'm going to face that situation again. So how can I do better next time? What can I do to glorify God better next time? So I, I want to be aware of that. I want to invite people into my life to help me evaluate and consider how can I do this in a better way next time. At the same time, right when you fail, when you're at the bottom, is not necessarily the best time for that. So when someone is in that moment, I think it's so important that we be the hands and feet of Christ and and bring His grace into it and say, you know, uh, you fail, but what's important is the you can get back up. God is, God is here. His strength is here. He's promised to walk through the valley with you, even when it's a valley that you dug with your own shovel. <laughs> he still will walk through that with you. He still promises His grace and His ability to uh, help and encourage you in that time. So don't give up. You know, we need to be able to give that word of encouragement. So, you know, we do have responsibility as stewards of the living God. He's given us a lot of opportunity, really, to be involved in His great work of reconciliation, to be involved in His church. And I think about Ephesians 4 all the time, how God is building up His church into this unified, beautiful body that perfectly reflects His glory. And we have such a huge opportunity to be part of that. God has gifted you. He's gifted me with uh, spiritual gifts, so that we can do our part. You know, it, it talks about as each part 
works as it's supposed to, as each joint works as it's supposed to, then the bodies build up. Then the body grows into maturity. Uh, then the body of Christ really is this beautiful bride that Jesus is coming back to. So we have that opportunity. And along with that opportunity is the opportunity to come alongside each other when we fall, when we fail. You know, everyone's life is going to be difficult. There, there's going to be times of struggle. There's going to be times of, of trials. There's going to be times when things don't go as we hoped that they would. And I was speaking on this Sunday, and, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in Daniel chapter 3, when they were confronted with the fiery furnace, you know, they had the opportunity to say, okay, change your mind. We're, we're willing to bow the knee and move right along. <laughs> well, they could have done that. <laughs> they could have done their part, so to speak, to try to preserve their life themselves. But they allowed their faith in God to work. And rather than try to preserve their life, they said, we believe that God is able. And we believe that, that God will deliver us from you, O King Nebuchadnezzar. He's able and he will do it. The question is how, right? Because if they had walked into that furnace and died, I believe they would have been escorted into the presence of God. <laughs> That would have been deliverance from the authority of King Nebuchadnezzar in a really amazing, amazing way. And a lot of God's saints, that, that is the way that they're delivered. Think about Stephen when he was stoned. Uh, that's one of the things we talked about uh, Sunday as well. You know, Peter, when he preached, he had 3,000 people get saved. Stephen, when he preached, and he, he was stoned. But he was delivered from those people who wanted to kill him in that instant as he was going out of this world and going into the next, uh, he saw where he was going, and he wasn't, he wasn't afraid. Uh, he didn't feel like he'd made wrong choices. I believe he was, uh, he was comforted and he was escorted on his way. He was delivered. That is deliverance. Now, we always assume and want our deliverance to be in the here and now. Deliver me from this problem and make my life here and now better. That's really what we're asking for. Again, we have to understand, God has given us a stewardship for a time, but He's doing something bigger than our little stewardship. He's doing something bigger than our life. He's preparing us for eternity. And a lot of the way that He prepares us is through difficulties. And what is amazing and true is that God's grace is sufficient even in the difficulties. God's grace was sufficient for Peter when he preached in front of all those people. Thousands of people heard him. You know, think it'd be a, a nerve-wracking thing for a fisherman, but he was bold. He had seen the Messiah. God's grace was sufficient. But God's grace was sufficient for Stephen, too, and that's what I want you to grasp. God's grace is sufficient. Yeah, you're going to struggle. You, you want to be a good steward, and sometimes being a good steward means putting yourself in a difficult position. Stephen was a good steward of the message. He was a bold proclaimer. And he was confident, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, that God was able, that God could deliver, that God was willing to deliver. But if not, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're still not going to bow before you. And Stephen said, even if I die here, I'm going to share the message. So when you see in all this, the spiritual life's never boring. It's always going to be challenges. There's always new lessons to learn, new steps of faith to take as we follow Jesus. 
I, I want you to be a good steward of what God gives you, to trust Him in the details, and to give grace to those around you. It's not always easy, but it is incredibly rewarding, whatever you do. Keep running.